Hello, this is Dr. Nancy O'Reilly, and you're listening to Conversations with Smart, Amazing Women. Each week, we bring you an outstanding woman who is a leader in her field. Now, these amazing women are role models for living your life's purpose, how to be resilient, how to create positive relationships, build those successful careers, and discover your own natural ability to lead. Now, if you listen to these conversations, you know I've been interviewing these amazing leading women for nearly a decade. You know, I love sharing their stories so much that I chose 19 of the best experts from these interviews to co-author my book, Leading Women, 20 Influential Women Share Their Secrets to Leadership, Business, and Life, which is, of course, available at Barnes & Noble, Amazon, and the business section of your local bookstore. Or just go online and order it. Now this week, I'm pleased to introduce you to another extraordinary leader who's dedicated life to public service. Her name is Rebecca Scythe. Rebecca is an advocate, author, speaker, and advisor for celebrities, business executives, and policymakers for women's leadership. Her speeches and workshops encompass strategies for how to become the public voice to make the world a better place. And that's what we're all about here. And also, how to leverage your professional careers through public influence. Now, her book, Every Day is Election Day, A Woman's Guide to Winning, winning Any Office from PTA to the White House, was named a must-read by the Cosmopolitan magazine and was exclu- exclusively featured in, in Eileen Fisher's stores throughout the U.S. Rebecca has been widely recognized for her public service and distinguished achievements with awards from numerous organizations, including being listed in the book, Feminist Who Changed America. She has served on boards, been a human rights gubernatorial appointee, and advised both the Clinton and Obama administrations while developing their women's issues agendas. She is an amazing women leader in so many capacities, teaching so many other women women to be leaders. So exciting. And welcome, Rebecca Sive, to Conversations with Smart, Amazing Women. Well, Rebecca, thank you so much for being with me this morning. Um, like I said before I started the recording, this is what I'm all about is women's leadership. Mm-hmm. So very, very important. So welcome. Thank you for being with me. Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm, I'm just always... Excited to meet other women who share this passion. Oh, yeah. Finding like-minded women has been my passion. That's what Women Connect for Good is all about. I've been doing this women empowerment work for over 30 years. My goal has been always to build a community, and when when I find like-minded women, I get very (laughs) excited. So I'm I'm excited to get to know you. But, uh, you know, typically how I start these conversations is I talk about something I think that's so important that women don't often share enough with each other are their stories of how they became who they are. You know, women have this strange thought in their mind that somehow people are smarter, better, different, you know, they just think things are easier for other women than themselves. And that's absolutely wrong because nine times out of ten, when you hear the story of another woman, how she became who she is, what, whatever successful career she has or whatever great thing she's doing, for some reason women think, boy, that must be so easy for her. But we all know, and you for sure, being in women's leadership and politics, know that that's far from the case. But how did you get to be who you are and what you're doing today? 
Well, uh, thank you for asking. I guess I would say initially on your point, you're you're so right. And one of the things that relates to my story, but to millions of other women literally is, you know, women who are in the Girl Scouts or the Campfire Girls or other kinds of girls organizations, for instance, as was really important for me, have, uh, you know, this collective experience of how to be a leader. And that's something that you know, isn't just for a few special people or, or people who are in the right place at the right time. It's for anyone. Right. So I would say for myself that um, I did have that experience, but I also had a family of parents who uh, taught me and my sister that, you know, uh, we could be and should be whatever we wanted to be. And there was no distinction made between the two girls and the three boys. And also that uh, public service was really the highest good. And when I was a young girl, my father ran for Congress. I saw what that was about. And I saw, you know, my mother be elected to the local school board. So for me, I had this great grounding. And when I came to Chicago, I saw that there was a great opportunity here to uh, work on women's issues and advance women. And so that's really what I've spent my adult life doing. Well, you were very lucky. Not every woman has those role models and those mentors. And, of course, being in a family that that was kind of a natural progression also gave you a a lot of opportunity to see how things work and be a part of that. So that's, that's exciting. But a lot of women don't have that. You know, Rebecca, right now we are 75th in the world when it comes to women's life. Right. It's a, it's a sad, sad number. And, you know, I'm not going to go into too many pol- politics, at least the recent ones, but I think a lot of women were very, very disappointed after the past ele- election and uh, felt discouraged. And, and someone actually said the time is not right for women to be in women's leadership positions when it comes to our, you know, we're not ready for a, a, a woman president. And I, I've really mm. you know, I've thought about that a lot, and I thought, you know, that's far from the case, far, far from the case. I, yeah, I would say that whoever said that was, you know, absolutely incorrect, and the facts suggest otherwise. I mean, yeah. there's been enormous advancement of women into leadership positions in politics, in government, in philanthropy, in business, you know, over the last three decades or so. And, you know, while the, while we have our, the bumps in the road, the progress has been steady. And I would say to those who may doubt this that, the woman candidate for president, and this is separate and apart from whatever political views one may have, won more votes of Americans than the person who is now president. So I think that if anyone questions the fact of whether a woman is ready for president, the American people have said, yes, she is. Yes, absolutely. You know, I I was listening to your videos and whether, you know, you talk about something very, very very, very important, and I think this is so important, especially now, is that we do need to be optimistic and we do need to be positive about what has occurred. And I think maybe that's you're, you're probably right that oftentimes what we hear is what's wrong instead of what is right, what is positive, what we've actually accomplished. And I think more women need to know that and understand that so that there is a, a stronger, a wider path, a greater opportunity for women to truly take the baton of, of leadership, whether it be in their communities or some type of public service or what philanthropic cause they do have. Well, you know, I, I think you're right. It's really important that women tell their stories in every way they can. 
And the wonderful thing about social media, for instance, is, you know, each of us has our own printing press. So we're not dependent on institutional media to tell our own stories or the stories of the women we're working with. So I would encourage women who are engaging in leadership of whatever kind to share their own story in their neighborhood, in their larger community. And I would also really, really encourage them to keep the media on task and to also keep leaders on task. And, you know, because one of the biggest barriers, for instance, to women uh, running for office is that they don't get asked. Yeah. And too yeah. frequently it's still the locker room or something like that. So it's really important to be insistent in the public square about, yes, this is what I did or what we did. Yes, this is why this issue is important. And, yes, we want to be at that decision-making table. Yeah, absolutely. Gloria Felt and I spoke after the march in Washington, D.C., and we had about uh, 35 women in the room at the National Press Club, which was, was very, very exciting. We weren't sure how people would feel, the women would feel. It was a very di- diverse group of women, but again, women that were already in leadership positions and had, uh, and also media. So it was a really a great time to get a heartbeat, mm-hmm. to take a measurement of what women were thinking. And probably 99% of the women that were in the room had actually been at the march. So, again, it was another opportunity to, to really hear from visual, auditory, and the whole kinesthetic principle of what, what, what they were experiencing. And overall, what we heard at that gathering was women were excited. They mm-hmm. felt this strength coming together, you know, that they hadn't felt in years and they felt strong together. And, and again, women were excited about taking on leadership positions. So, and again, when like when women come together, or we come together with any women, and, and we start talking about leadership, but we also talk about leadership as far as something that women have all, always had. You know, we've always been great communicators. We've always been great collaborators. And we've always been able to see the, the issues. I mean, we, we, you know, who takes care of the problems? Women. And, and how do we do it? We look at all the different oper- you know, ways to deal with it and oftentimes bring many, many people together to solve those problems. So, I mean, again, we're talking about the most wonderful right. political leader where you could come, uh, come to the, the podium because of, uh, again, our natural, natural talents and our God-given talents as far as truly to lead. But... We have to do something very, very important. We have to use our voices. Well, I would say, you know, going back to, you know, the conversation that you and Gloria had with the other women in Washington, you know, the march uh, that happened all over the world in cities all over the world is a perfect example of both the uh, capacity of women for leadership and the power of women once they take it. I mean, this wasn't something that came from on high. You know, some women had... A single woman actually had a great idea. Some other women took on responsibility for organizing in Washington. And other women, for instance, in Chicago, there were over a quarter of a million people. Uh, Other women in, I forget how many places, but dozens, took on the responsibility of being a voice, being a leader, enunciating issues, setting out an agenda. So my view is that, yes, we have... Some uh, each of us has innate abilities to do certain things that are helpful, but the really important thing here is to be out in the public square, to be advocating for issues 
and policies and laws uh, that actually improve the status of the everyday woman because if there's a crisis today, that's it. Wages yeah. are stagnant, everything we know. And, you know, women really need the support that they're not getting enough of yeah. uh, from government and from right. other kinds of leaders. Yeah. Women Connect for Good is the foundation that I founded, and it's basically one principle and one principle only, which is women supporting other women's efforts, their passion, their dreams, mm-hmm. whatever they want to accomplish. And, again, that's why Women Connect for Good is partnering with Take the Lead, Gloria Felt as well. But this is the key, I I still believe is the key, is that women have to support other women. And this is something, unfortunately, that has not occurred. And and I wonder, I'd love your point of view on this, but that when it comes to political, uh, political races, is that women don't, in fact, feel the support that they need to continue through the races, you know, cause, because they're, they are difficult. They're, they're very, very difficult, and women particularly seem to be targeted for very, very, <laughs> uh, for the wrong kinds of things as far as the way they look or they dress. To have that support and to really feel that strength and who's standing behind you as well as having the monetary support I think is very, very important for women to feel that no matter what is said, is that they can go on and what because they do feel that support and the, and that power from the group that that's pushing them forward or helping to move them forward. Well, you know, I I would just say one thing here, which I think is really important, and that is the problem for women or the challenges for women who uh, decide they want to run for office, of which there are millions um, yeah. in the United yeah. States today. The challenges are not lack of support from other women. The challenges are, in the first place, uh, the lack of access to the tables at which the decisions are made about who's going to get to run for a particular office. Uh, There's a lot of data on this. It's a significant problem. It's also true that women tend to wait longer to decide to run for a particular office because they have you know, the majority share in most families of family responsibility, child care responsibility. As you know, many women are single heads of households, so that presents right. a challenge. Right. The fact is that if they get past those barriers, and this is really, I, I really want your listeners to know this, once they get past those barriers, women who run for office on average do as well as men do. You're absolutely right that they're subject to certain kinds of uh, criticisms, for instance, how they look being a main one uh, that men don't experience, and that's bad and wrong. But I will tell you that, you know, as I traveled around, I was, you know, been everywhere talking about my book, Every Day is Election Day, and I found in the Mississippi Delta, in midtown Manhattan, in downtown Minneapolis, you name it, that the women who wanted to run were committed, they were tough, they understood the challenges, they were depending on other women. So yes, you're right, there are discriminatory views sometimes, and sometimes other women are not supportive, but the primary thing is to help our sisters get past or overcome those barriers I mentioned and make sure that they're at the table when the decisions are made about who's going to run. Yeah, yeah. I just can't underscore that enough. Right. 
Well, no, and, and I absolutely agree. Companies and, and the Fortune 500, five, Fortune 500 companies and so forth, I mean, it's shown that when women are on the board of directors, when women are, are in leadership positions, these companies do much better than other companies. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I absolutely agree. But as you said, the door we have to get that door open and make sure there is a seat at the table and that they're able to get to the podium so that they're able to express their views and show their, their talents, those innate abilities that you've described. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's talk about the barriers then, because what is the, what is the key? Well, how do we get the doors open? Well, you know, I was talking about some of the barriers previously. I think the key thing for uh, everyone to understand, women who want to be in leadership as well as those who want to have other roles and help the women who do, the key thing for us to understand is that the sexism runs across these institutional sectors. And so whether you look at business or government or any other sector, you will see the same uh, sort of attitudes about, well, women can't do this or women have never done it or she's got children or whatever it is. And so the goal, the first barrier, I think, to overcome which I think is happening, but there needs to be more of, is women come for women across these sectors to come together and say, we understand that leadership is a universal need, and we business women are going to work with the women in government and with the women in organizations, and we are going to demand equity. We're going to support each other. We're going to fund each other. That's another challenge that women fear, which is the ability to raise money. And we are not going to blame ourselves for the lack of access. We're going to have a proactive and positive campaign. I think that one of the things that's really important, and we saw this in the presidential, which we've gotten past, is this idea that women won't contribute financially. And in fact, in the Post reported on this, the Times did, I'm sure you saw, that women really stepped up to the plate with money, with cash money, when there was a woman positioned uh, to do something, you know, history-making. So to me, the task is uh, organizing women as a constituency across barriers and giving every kind of resource we can, you know, to the women who have said, yes, I've got the courage as well as the aptitude to run for this office. And I would say one other thing, which is that you have to call it when you see it, right? So if that woman who's proceeding to being elected to the school board, you know, and appears before a committee and gets asked, for instance, well, how are you going to handle nights when you have to cook dinner for your kids, yeah. say, make sure to turn to the guy at the table and say, well, what's he going to do? Yeah. yeah. Right? So that's another important barrier we have to get past, which is sure. yeah, we have, the need we have, to cook dinner doesn't impede our ability to leave. No. But, but we also have to take the superwoman t-shirt off and, and also know that, uh, that, that we can't get anywhere by ourselves, that we have to have the support and we have to have the help of other people and know that it's going to be there. That's just part of the process. You're right. We, we can be extremely tough, but we have to be extremely resilient 
and know that what we're doing is so very, very important, and, and that when we do take leadership positions, how, how amazing things are. You, you can put five women in a room and get more done than I've ever seen in my entire life. They have the whole thing, the whole project completely funded and taken care mm-hmm. of in one meeting, whereas it might right. take someone else six, other, six meetings to get even halfway there. So, I mean, I, I have no doubt in my mind, and, and of course, take the lead and Women Connect for Good, our goal is by the year 2025 to have equal parity for women's leadership. I'd sure like to see that happen before now. But, Rebecca, I think the important thing that we're talking about today is that we need to keep talking about what's positive. We need to keep telling women, yes, we're getting there, because I think that's the encouragement that we all need, and and to find those women that are in those leadership positions that are willing and ready to mentor us mentor anyone who wants to go into public service or in the leadership position in corporations. Because I think once we have someone whose whose hand is out there that helps us, we don't have to get an MBA to get uh, to get a leadership position. We don't have to have speak five languages. But I think sometimes women believe that unless we're completely educated and that we have the the skills, we can't take the office. And as we all know much of what we do is on-the-job training, and we learn by the people that we're working with as we go. So, I mean, I think, I think that's, that's the, right. the confidence that women have to have. There's one great, uh, there's several, but one great story in, in my book that jumps to mind on the point you just made about not having to be an expert on right. a particular topic is a story I tell about uh, Debbie Savino, who's the senior senator from Michigan, and she talks in, about her first run for office. And her goal, her, her her motivation was to solve a problem that related to health care for senior citizens. And she said to me, you know, I didn't know everything about Medicare rules, but I sure knew that what was going on was wrong. Right. And so I think that, you know, the important thing here related to that is because women are in the majority, impelled to seek public and political leadership because they care about issues, it just follows that uh, for the rest of us who support them, things are going to get better. And I would give you one recent example. There was a great uh, story in the New York Times earlier this week about women in the Nevada legislature, no, Nebraska, excuse me, and uh, a group in a conservative state uh, have come together and to work on legislation relating to women and children. And it's just a marvelous story to your earlier point about how when women are in these positions, they do focus on issues that matter to women, right. and they do find a way to, to collaborate and work efficiently. Yeah. So we do understand how we can impact and change the world for better for a better world. I think that's where women definitely get their power and they definitely get, get energized and, and go out and really advocate for for the, the causes that they have. So, okay, well, one of the questions that you gave to me was where can we help? I mean, how can we, how can we contribute time, money, and influence? How can we do these things to encourage and help women to, to seek out these leadership positions to make sure that that any doors are open that women can go through, and to, how can we help them? Well, the first thing I think is, you know, within your own circle of women friends to uh, to identify the women who want to pursue some kind of a leadership position and to say to them, I'm there for you. 
And that goes for oneself. So if you decide you want to do it, you go to your friends and you're comfortable saying to them, this is something I want to do and this is the kind of help I need. So the first step is to acknowledge you want it. The second step is to go to your sort of intimate, you know, peer group and family and say, this is something I want and let's talk about how I'm going to do it. And the third step is then to put your strategy together. And I think in that context, the strategy requires issue expertise, political expertise, business expertise, and that's where other women can contribute their resources, their expertise in those ways. So, for instance, if I'm an accountant and my girlfriend's running for the school board, you know, I can take care of the books for her campaign. So, you know, there are a lot of different ways to be helpful. I think that what's also been important and has happened uh, since the November election is women have decided to get training. This is like any other professional position. You need to learn how to do it. And the good news is there's a lot of different organizations that focus on training women for political office. Many of them are listed in, for instance, in the resources section of my book, but they're also on the web. So that's something uh, we can do, you know, educate ourselves, train ourselves, let other women know. I mean, I just sort of make it my business to always have this top of mind in conversation. And then the next piece is what we talked about before, which is to be willing to put real money down, whatever that looks like. And in that context, and I do talk a lot about this in my book as well, you don't have to be rich to contribute financially, right? You can also organize a benefit. You can, you know, hold a party. There are a lot of different ways to be helpful financially. We all have the capacity to do that. And I think the other piece that we is really important for women to do to help each other is when things go south to be there, right? Yeah, absolutely. You know, you're my friend and you may have gotten some bad publicity, but you are still my friend and right. I will support you and we will get through this together. So I think each of those ways is important in terms of helping women. And then, as I said, you know, at the outset, just being yourself a voice for the idea that women matter. Yeah, and and I think that's something very, very important is that we've now reached a time in our history where women actually get to be women, which I think is so amazing is that women leading as women, women taking their feminine uh, strengths and, as, you, as we talked about, innate abilities and actually using them. But I think the most important thing that you've just said is being authentic. Uh, you know, we truly, when we truly find someone who we, uh, they're charismatic, but they, they truly believe and they truly, the cause that they're, they're backing is that they truly believe in it. I think that's when we truly get behind, especially uh, a strong leader that we truly believe in. You know, and I found women's voices. I, you know, I'm I've never been too shy. I'm, you probably noticed that. You know, <laughs> I'm not too shy. But uh, again, you know, when you speak up, typically you're you're then, you know, once your voice is heard, uh, people tend to tend to come to you. And I think that's where women can start practicing in in all areas of their life. It's just using their voice, whether it's in the in their church or in their schools, the schools where their children go, in their communities, but using their voices because then they do find that people will come to them and say, oh, my gosh, what you had to say was so so powerful or it was so helpful, and I really, you know, really like what you said. And I think when women do that, they realize 
but there really is all that potential. There is potential for them to be good leaders, strong leaders in their communities mm-hmm. or, or their jobs or whatever they may be. And, of course, the important thing they could do, Rebecca, is to buy your book. <laughs> I don't know if that's the most important thing, but the book has... <laughs> well, uh, it, is, pre- it, is, it is today. <laughs> yeah. Well, I appreciate your saying that. I, I have to tell you that, you know, I was really impelled to write the book after 2008 when I saw, as we all saw, those, you know, 18 million cracks in the glass ceiling. And, again, I go to the fact that a woman did that, notwithstanding you know, whether one may agree or disagree with her on certain policy positions. And so the idea was how about a handbook that shares the stories and the guidance of women who've done this yeah. in a variety of places and contexts and just be as practical and forthright and direct as possible. So it's a woman's guide to running for office from the PTA to the White House. Yeah, I like that. Every day is election day, yeah, and every day is an opportunity. There's no doubt about it. So how do they find your book more about what you're doing and, and how can they get, oh. get your book and find out where you're going to be next talking? Well, thank you. Um, the book is available on, you know, all the major websites, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Google, and so on. Uh, it's also available from the publisher chicagoreviewpress.com and they are running a special promotion for individual orders with the code she runs which i love so the book is 50 percent off and then one other wonderful thing they're doing because of this moment in time is offering the book in a group discount uh, to women's groups and neighborhood organizations and so on uh 38 books or more you can't beat the price uh, four fifty a copy, and so uh, if people are interested in any of this and want to learn more, I'm at www.rebeccasive.com is the website, and Rebecca at rebeccasive.com is the email. So you should just feel free, all of you out there uh, in podcast land, uh, to be in touch, and I hope you'll take advantage of this because it is a useful guide. It's been well-received. I've definitely been down that path, and, and you've seen all the different different venues, and uh, I appreciate you sharing that. And, uh, again, I, I am positive. I am optimistic. I, I see things changing, and, I, and, of course, I'm a very impatient person. I would like for it to happen right now. It is, <laughs> It is getting much better. As I, would I. Yeah. I congratulate <laughs> you on your book. And, and uh, again, uh, I hope we continue to support one another and anything Great. else that comes up for you. That's what Women Connect for Good does. And, of course, take the lead. Mm-hmm. We're, we're all on the same on the same page. Indeed. And, and all of us like-minded sisters, when we come together and keep growing this community, the possibilities are endless. Thank you so much, and thank you for thank sharing your time. Thank you. And sharing your passion with the world. Well, thank you. It was a treat to be with you. Thanks so much.